This is Into the Apex Motorsport Podcast Network. From Monaco to Indianapolis, Le Mans to Daytona, and everywhere in between. This is your one-stop shop for provocative motorsport talk. From the ITA Podcast Network, this is the Into the Paddock Podcast. Into the Paddock Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Into the Paddock podcast. Uh, we've had quite a lot of racing, even though the um, off-season technically hasn't really en- ended yet. It, it, we're in a limbo. Needless to say, we've got um, the clash at the Coliseum to talk about. We've got some racing down under to talk about. We've got some more F1 news, some more controversial stuff. Um, but before all of that, we have to introduce ourselves. My name is Jordan Groves once again, and I'm joined by Mr. Greg Meisner. Howdy. And after a week gallivanting uh, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, and, and that galaxy's name also being Daytona, Mr. John Javicki's back. Hello, John. Hello, hello. Good to be back. A little tired we, still. <laughs> we, we missed you last week, but we are now duty-bound to ask you about how galaxy's edge, uh, Daytona was. <laughs> it was... Uh, <laughs> It was quite the experience, um, you know, something I'll never forget. <clears throat> um, I'm going to steal this term from Tyler Beeman. Um, in, in regards to our significant others, my uh, my racing capital has been depleted. So to, <laughs> done uh, for the year. <laughs> yeah, not really. I'm just going to do some more stuff to to earn some more capital back. But between the the uh, the virtual 24 of Daytona and, and then going down to the actual Rolex 24. Um, you know, my wife is pregnant. I've got a four year old son. So trucking through the, uh, uh, the speedway, anyone that's been there knows that it, there's a lot of walking, whether you're going to the, uh, <clears throat> the infield or, or going up into the grandstands. Really, the hardest part is parking, and then you got to walk about a half a mile to a mile to get to the stands. And then, if you want to go down the infield, you'd send probably another mile. Um, so, needless to say, we were worn out. She was worn out, um, but you know, my the whole family enjoyed it. Um, I mean, obviously, I enjoyed it more than them, <laughs> but <laughs> um, but it, it, it was such a cool experience. Got to got to meet Greg in person at the uh, the infamous uh, Mad Sim Racing. Dave and Buster's uh, extravaganza. <laughs> hey, that, was, so, that was a lot of fun. I really it was. It was. No, it got the. It was nice to see everybody in person. Um, good to see. Um, I know a lot of people said so good to put faces with uh, with names and voices if we haven't seen them already. Um, that was the theme of the weekend, I think. For yeah. Everyone involved. Yeah, and it was cool. It's like you, you know, I. <clears throat> I think a couple times I ran into like Tyler. And then Bradley randomly, and I look, I kind of do a double take. I'm like, hey, Tyler, Sean, oh, hey, but you know, it's like you, 
you know, I, I don't know how to say it. it wasn't, it didn't feel as awkward as like a first meeting would be because we've talked for hours and upon hours and raced together. <laughs> um, so it was, um, yeah, it was, it was great. It was like, you know, seeing like a buddy of yours out. Yeah. You know, I don't know how else to describe it. Maybe they don't feel the same way. So <laughs> maybe they're like this fucking John guy is so weird. At one point during the weekend, I, uh, I, I was, I was doing fuel or something. Uh, well, yeah, I was doing fuel cause I was in a fire suit, but, uh, I got done doing that. Went to check my phone and I get a, it's a message from Tyler and it's a picture of me. Like, hey, <laughs> we saw you. I'm like, I'm <laughs> hey, we're say hi. <laughs> right. But, uh, but I mean, in, in regards to the event, I mean, so such a cool, like I've been to one IMSA event before, which was at mid Ohio. Still very cool. However, on, on a scale of like one to ten, Mid Ohio is like a two, and and Daytona is like a twenty. Um, <laughs> but it was it was so cool to um, to walk into into the paddock, pun intended, uh, and and see the cars um, and the garages. Um, um, my my son got to sit. I know Daniel Morad with his Moradness group had a a meetup. Uh, I think it was was it. Thursday or Friday, I mean, it was Friday. And, um, you know, I definitely used my kid <laughs> to, to, <laughs> to get into the, to, to, for some good pictures and my son. And, um, there's a couple of videos I can put them on like the, um, social media page too, but there's videos of my son sitting in his car, the GT four Winwood racing, uh, Mercedes. Awesome. Um, he played my, some random guy handed my son a Hot Wheels, which I was a little bit skeptical about at front, you know, because like maybe he's, it's drug laced uh, Hot Wheels, but maybe he's just a nice guy. <laughs> he's probably just a nice guy. But uh, so my son was playing with his Hot Wheels, and so he and he was showing it to Daniel, and then Daniel's like tossing it down his car, and it was just such a cool experience, um, you know, especially for my son to get to do all that stuff, and and um, you know, hopefully he'll be. Uh, racer himself someday we'll see um but but besides that just the you know 24 hours of more than that we, we went down thursday stayed until um stayed until tuesday you know the the first half of the trip was was excellent for me with all the all the racing going on uh we saw the little bit of the uh impc race um went for the for the start of the 24 sat in the grandstands then my son loses a little bit of uh, patience and, and attention. And so then we went back for a break. And then uh, finally, <clears throat> my wife was really kind. She said, you know what? You just want to go back by yourself. We'll stay here for the night racing. I said, are you sure? Meanwhile, I'm like, yeah, that's probably a really good idea. So I got to go back at like 7 or 8 o'clock at night and meet up with Tyler and, and Rob and, um, and Eric and uh, Bradley um, and Patrick. And we milled around the track for about a good four or five hours and they, they lasted longer than I did, but I knew I had to get back home to take care of the family eventually. But, um, you know, it's such a great experience. I mean, the, my, the biggest takeaway for me was the sound, this, the constant sound. Like I was, this is, I was at full staff the whole time I was there and it, <laughs> it, it, it just it really stiffened up my, uh, my enthusiasm every time I heard the Cadillacs. <laughs> I was so worried the, you were going there. <laughs> <laughs> something about the, the way that those Cadillacs, it was, it was so 
loud and menacing, but like very smooth at the same time. It was, um, and, and I just, you knew where they were on the track at all times. You're like, oh, here comes the Cadillac. Here it's downshifting into turn one. And I'm sitting there in the stands like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but no, I know I, I, we talked a lot about, you guys already talked about the race and everything like that. So I'm, I'm just coming from more of the standpoint of, how, of, you know, being there throughout that whole weekend um, was awesome. And then, then I had to fulfill my, my family duties and we went to, to Disney world that following Monday, we went to the, the Hollywood, um, I forget the name of it now, but it's the, the Hol- Disney's Hollywood, something, something It's where they have big thing is that's where they have the star Wars galaxies. Uh, um, I'm blowing everything right now. I can't remember the name of it, but uh, it was hot. It was like up to 89 degrees there and it was very, very crowded and um, the place is very expensive. <laughs> Those are my takeaways. <laughs> However, the Star Wars place was awesome. Very cool. Um, like the whole, I mean, even when you just walk in that portion of the park, like you feel like you're in the Star Wars, um, like a movie with how um, just the, the, the walls and, and even like the staff, what they wear the whole time. It's, they all dress like a character from Star Wars. Um didn't get to ride the rides there though. Cause it was like an hour and 50 to like two hour, uh, waits pretty much for every big time ride. But, um, gross. The next time, like, again, we only went for one day next time. And this is probably a big error on my part is to buy the, the fast pass. Um, so that we could probably ride more than one ride while we're there. Um, but, um, no, I mean, I know I'm rambling on, but it was such a great experience. Good family experience. Although it was more, like I said, heavily weighted in my favor, well, I will admit that. But, um, um, but wow, yeah, I, I, I hope to go back multiple times throughout my lifetime, if not next year, if I can squeeze it, maybe by myself. That's a probably a pretty tall ask, but we'll see. So, <laughs> hopefully, my wife doesn't listen to this episode. <laughs> well, no, that wasn't me. That was a different job. <laughs> Racing capital is depleted right now, so I got a lot of brownie points I got to earn. So go, go do the whole year to try and build them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a year's worth of dishes. That would that would work it back up. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, we can talk about Daytona. Me, me, and Greg could talk to you about Star Wars for like the whole hour and a half, probably. But it's um, true. <laughs> we should probably talk about motorsport instead. Um, yeah, which is a shame. Maybe we'll do an episode about pod racing one day. There we um, go. <laughs> <laughs> but. Um, yeah, first half of the show, we'll have a look back at the racing action that happened in the last weekend. And we have to start with NASCAR's pre-season event, The Clash at the Coliseum. Um, I don't know about you guys. I entered this race thinking after last year's Clash that it was going to be a bit of a meme. Um, and I, I was expecting it to be a bit shit. Um, and I was I too, was, to be honest. I was pleasantly surprised. Um they obviously last year they were having the specters of the next gen cars being short on parts. So, and they were still, the, the cars were still very new. So they were constantly breaking toe links and stuff. So that wasn't great. Um, this year, a combination of them having parts and maybe subtle changes to the track. I, I think they hinted that there might even be a, a, a slight bit of banking that seemed to maybe help as well. It, the show in general better. just seemed better. Yeah, it, I I I had a great time watching it. Uh, the 
all of the damn cautions. I think 16 in total mm. for the, uh, was it just for the second half or was that for the whole race? 16? That was for the whole, for the whole race, but there it yeah. ended up because what's unique to this event is that they, um, the caution laps don't count. So it's much yep. akin to short track racing and dirt racing in that respect. But the consequence of that was after a fairly clean first half of the clash, the ensuing half, uh, they, they, I think it was at one point someone counted that it took 35 minutes to do five laps. Terrible. Terrible. Those guys are just beating the hell out of each other. <laughs> it's such uh, a shame because like the heats and the first half of the race were really good. And like the yeah. racing wasn't the, yeah, you had people moving each other out of the way, but that's the nature of a short track racing and B racing in a Coliseum that isn't designed for motorsport. It, the heats were sensational, but I think what a lot of people are going to remember about this race was that first half of the final half, terrible English, where mm -hmm. it was they were just constantly destroying each other, and it was you know the track being so narrow, someone spins, you have to have a caution because the field's going to be on top of them before they can get back around. So I feel like that's what people are going to remember. Yeah, and and the the field coming back around so quickly allowed for. Bubba Wallace there at the end to get a little revenge tap on Austin Dillon after he dumped him. Yeah, we, that we, was that was my highlight of the whole the whole race was watching that that short little battle with Bubba Wallace beating up Austin and then getting around him and then Austin Dillon just blatantly without any hesitation just like you said earlier deleting him <laughs> from existence and then. Uh, you know, they came back around and Bubba gave him a little love tap there on the on the front right. I, I, I mean, mean go on. most memorable part for me was obviously Wiz Khalifa. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't know about you guys. Light one up before <laughs> my favorite crowd is, loving it. I my mean, that was the foreshadowing in the interview where he was asked <laughs> what the performance is going to be like, and he said real smoky, and I'm like, oh, for yeah. fuck <laughs> here we go. And then they and then they lit the the fucking the Olympic torch there at the end. Yeah. <laughs> it just looks like a giant joint sitting on top of the Coliseum. <laughs> if there was ever a, a more apt symbol, that, that was it. But I think, you know, before we talk about who actually ended up doing well in this, I think it's worth pointing out once again that this race isn't really meant for people like us, I would say, people that are already into the sport. You know, I, I think we touched on this last week that this race is very much meant to be... Uh, uh, putting NASCAR in front of a different market and uh, trying to attract new fans, hence the halftime show with Wiz Khalifa, hence it being in a Coliseum, for God's sake. you know. So I think a lot of the criticisms people have are people not wanting things to be different with NASCAR. I mean, you, you saw people were kicking off about Wiz Khalifa being there and being upset that we didn't have the four millionth country pre-race concert <laughs> yeah fuck that to be there you know like I, there's something i am not a country fan about, to full disclosure so like if you ask me like would i rather have wiz khalifa or country music star i'm gonna honestly say wiz khalifa because <laughs> how much man. i do not like country music yeah so we can stop with all the country i'm, a, <laughs> I'm embarrassed to say this but so like I, I know i mentioned it to you guys in discord but like when i when I first got into like to FIFA, to like European football, soccer, whatever you want to call it, um, I started playing the video game FIFA. Um, and so I didn't know who the teams were. I didn't know anything about it. 
I purely picked my team based off of their logo. So we go in there, we're picking teams. And I'm like, wow, this team's got a cannon for their logo. I was about to say, Arsenal? Choose Arsenal? <laughs> That's me. So that I chose Arsenal. So I, I took that same mentality because I am. I am trying to watch more NASCAR this year. Um, I understand NASCAR a little bit more than I did going into to FIFA and whatnot, but um, I'm like, wow, there's a there's a car out there that's just a giant American flag with jockey underwear as their main sponsor. I was like, that's my team. <laughs> so, <laughs> track out, later found out we had track out, and 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 um, you know, I, I know that they're newer, but uh, we'll see how it goes. Uh, all I know is that I like that that American flag with a. I pictured like some guy, if that car was to be a person, like a personified, it's it's some Florida man outside in a hurricane in his jockey underwear with his American flag during the middle of a storm waving it. Um, <laughs> even though the guy's rivers, name is Suarez right? that drives the car, but you know, um, but no. So that's a little side note. Sorry, but um, that'll be my. Uh, I'm committed. They're going to be my team moving forward. Well, as someone yeah, who doesn't watch, as someone who doesn't watch a lot of NASCAR, what did you think of the event? I thought. I mean, it, I've watched. I, I think I watched a little bit of it last year. Not maybe like when I say a little bit, five minutes maybe. Just like, oh hey, yeah, there it is again. Um, not again, <laughs> but hey, they're, they're they're on this football field. I think that's what brought me in. Like I heard they're going to be on a football, the the Coliseum, um, but. Like watching it, you feel kind of cramped. I don't know about you guys, but like mm. new to racing, you're like, oh man, like it really, there's so many cars out there. You feel like they accelerate for like 0.25 seconds and they're braking. Like I, I would feel cramped as a driver. Um, but at the same time, I thought it was the, I, I thought it was cool how they broke it up into heats and it was, um, you know, what, four, four heats and then two, I guess, split up sessions. But as you guys mentioned, like there's just so many cautions, it kind of, you know, interrupts the, the, the flow of everything. Mm. Um, you know, I understand you're going to have cautions with the race, but 16, and then the fact that they, the laps don't count if they're not green to, mm. uh, is that a real, is that a rule for NASCAR in general? Or is that just for the clash? Not generally. Just for the clash. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's what I thought, but but I mean, with me having an open mind, I'm excited. You know, I, 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 I still thought it was uh, uh, entertaining. Absolutely entertaining. So it was. It, it felt. It felt almost manufactured because of the way. And they had the that rule at the end for the the clash specific overtime rule, where the race doesn't end unless the leader crosses the line under green flag <laughs> conditions. Mm. Uh, cool. And I, I thought for sure we were going to have a couple. I'll say, <laughs> yeah, I a thought couple we were little, be there for uh, another half an hour at least. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it was it was nuts. But uh, Martin Truex Jr. ends up winning it out with Austin Dillon in second, and then uh, the next person we're going to talk about for a second and <laughs> third, Kyle yeah. Busch. Oh, Kyle, what are you doing, bud? Some yeah, this was a bit of an interesting one, and I've immediately lost it. But literally, just before we sat down to record this, we hear this story about uh, Kyle Busch um, being sentenced to three and a half years in jail in Mexico for um, having a gun. Um, and ultimately, there's this kind of aura that there's this kind of it, this is all just speculation, but there's a belief that perhaps maybe a transaction took place whereby he didn't have to serve that time. 
um, is possibly the most um, generous way well, I can put it. I wouldn't say it so he didn't have to serve the time. I would say it so he could get out of Mexico and go home back to North Carolina. <laughs> you know, uh, it, it, we, we talked about it a bit a bit before the show, but a few years ago, a Marine drove accidentally drove into Tijuana with some weapons, and he ended up spending a few years in jail. Montel Williams ended up going to Congress to plead with them, to plead with the Mexican government to let him out. And so I think this is a case of it pays to be rich. You know, I, 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 I'm, I, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm not going to speculate too much on what happened <laughs> on the air, but I think maybe some money might have exchanged hands yeah. to allow well, him to leave because, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. If you, you can ask, uh, I'm going to butcher it now, but it was either Jerry Isaacs or Bruce Perry from End of the Apex. One of the episodes he talks about going into Mexico with their. Uh, their trucks, I forget the name, uh, you know, lifted trucks that can do off-roading. And he talks about getting a speeding ticket on the way back and, and paying off the uh, the cop. As long as you have some money, you can get out of it. But, but yeah, I mean, it's one of those things like I get, you know, it's a mistake. How do you accidentally bring a gun somewhere? Well, here, so, so I use, okay, I... I, I have my concealed carry, okay, and I have it in my my book bag that I bring with me everywhere. Um, if it's not on on me, um, however, knowing I was going on a plane and traveling, and knowing I was going to bring that book bag, I made it a point like probably shouldn't have like magazines and ammo in this book bag if I'm going to go through TSA screening. <laughs> yeah, know, it's one of those things you like- think about, but you know, uh, so. Full disclosure, I you know made it through TSA and <laughs> everything like that, but but yeah, I mean at that level, I don't know. Although going to Mexico, you might want to bring bring a piece with you. <laughs> you Ooh, never yeah. know, but on purpose, you know. But who who knows? But but uh, yeah, you, you you'd think you'd be a little bit smarter about that, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not like you. <laughs> it's not like oh, I, I forgot I had an extra drink. Right in the beam. you're not allowed to take <laughs> right. certain liquids in the plane or whatever. Oh yeah, I forgot I had this can of water or whatever in my right. my bag. No, it's a uh, fucking gun, pistol, an extra <laughs> mag, you know, flashlight, whatever you, your your everyday carry is. <laughs> but yeah, that was. Wild. It seems like he's okay. He right, what he he was there yesterday yeah, for the race. Sir, right? so. the, got a. A bronze medal and a podium at NASCAR. <laughs> I love I love the race how- overran so much, and they were hyping up the podium ceremony, but it overran so much that they couldn't even show the actual medals being given on TV. <laughs> they, they gave the one to Austin Dillon, or no, they gave the one to to Kyle Busch, and then to Austin Dillon, and then it cut. Yeah, yeah. the news came on. They didn't even hand out the gold medal on TV. <laughs> but yeah, like heading heading back to the clash, like it it. it Truex was fast the whole the whole weekend. Like he he was certainly one of, if not the fastest cars throughout the whole thing. Uh, it was great to see a guy end up winning one of these free for all races that probably actually deserved to win it. Um, we don't see that too often. Um, but yeah, and, and and I mean, I think Bubba deserved to win it. But uh, yeah, I, yeah, uh, <laughs> ch- you know, Childress were quick too, and then obviously you've got Dylan um, with his skirmish with Bubba Wallace, which will probably be one of the main highlights heading into the rest of the season because i think bubba will remember that um oh for sure 
especially given what he ended up doing to Kyle Larson at Las Vegas last year. I think he's not one who's shy of some payback, although I will say it looked like he learned from the whole Vegas blow up, you know, just sit in the car for a while, just chill out. Don't react immediately. Yeah. He gave Austin that little, um, that little shot, uh, when the field came back around during the caution, but yeah, he was. Yeah. When you when you say he learned a lesson, it means his retaliatory hit was not as hard as it would have been. <laughs> and he would have had to have gone some to try and do that at the Coliseum anyway. But you know, right? Um, Forgive my ignorance, but, he, but who who was the guy where they they did the in car uh, radio and he was like, "This is supposed to be fun, guy." So that was that was, the, that was best. the best. That was the yeah. best. Yeah, you know, this is fun. We're yeah. having fun. Fun. Yeah. Was that Christopher Bell? I think it was it Christopher Bell. It might have been. Might yeah, have I been. could. I can't remember. Might have been. But like, I remember Perfect. watching that live and I just lost. I started laughing out loud. <laughs> so that was the radio to Perfect. encapsulate the whole event. That that was just. If there was a headline, it would be. We're having fun. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but no, I think it, it, the reaction's been fairly 50-50 online. You know, some people hated it again. Some people thought the racing was better. Um, if you're listening, if you if you watch The Clash, t- um, tell us what you think. Um, head to uh, Twitter or Instagram at Into The Paddock. That's in the number two, The Paddock. And uh, yeah, let us know what you thought of The Clash because um, I-, I thought it was good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, here's a little stat from the, uh, the leaderboard here. I didn't expect to see a number this low, but the average speed of the race was 21.8 <laughs> miles per hour. <laughs> That's got to be the slowest NASCAR race in history. Surely uh, it's gotta be, it's gotta be 21 miles an hour, almost 22 miles an hour. Even the, the spa wet race in 2021 was quicker than that. Like <laughs> Jesus. Good God. But it's going to be a little higher because obviously we've got a week off and then it's Daytona. And um, we go from one breed of chaos to another. So, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to the 500 and seeing if um, if the preseason event has already stoked enough anger for there to be some tension. <laughs> but we'll see. I, uh, I really hope so. The the, the I'm, I'm excited to see the Daytona attrition rate this year. As you know, it's been like, what, 80-something percent mm. over the past five or six years, you know? Five or six cars finishing at the end, actually rolling across the finish line. Let's go. And obviously, there's still a little bit of a concern about um, the cars being too stiff when it comes to making contact. We heard Bubba during the race, even at the Coliseum, saying the rear bumper hit still aren't great like at all they're still could be the potential of people getting concussions throughout the season so yeah, they, they made a little uh animation with the the toyota cutaway car mm. uh right before the race where they talked about where they they changed they added an angle into one of the brackets on the rear they softened up and with a smaller diameter on the uh uh where the chassis meets like the wall of the the cockpit so i mean hopefully those changes help out because some of the concussions last year mm. did not need to happen as, as lightly as they hit the wall or got hit from behind, you know, and then you have these guys Bushes. out. Kurt yeah. Bushes, for example, you know, that was such an innocuous accident and yet he's still testing yeah. unfit to race. Is he still unfit? Yeah. Yeah. He got tested again, like a couple of weeks ago. Like, he, he's yeah. retired now. So, I mean, it would only be for a one-off, but he's still unfit to drive a race car. Mad. That's insane, and it's and essentially it was, ended his career. You know, he was meant to be racing this year at least, 
and such an innocuous crash that yeah, was worsened NASCAR. by NASCAR's terrible safety lapses. That's ended a champion's career. It doesn't matter if he's a champion. It's ended a driver's career prematurely. It's just, yeah, it's worrying that, you know, they went into the offseason saying, oh, the, the, we'll be fixing these issues. Then we had the fire in practice for Ty Gibbs, which may or may not have been as, as oh, a result of the muffler. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, they, he had a fire. It was really scary. It was inside the cockpit, as were much Jesus of the fires Christ. last year. Um, NASCAR seemed to be blaming it on an ill-fitted muffler. Um, however, you know, there's some spec there's some speculation around that because NASCAR haven't been the most honest in the past. So we don't oh, know whether that's trying. a continuation of last year or, or not. So um, and and then you've got the fact that the bumpers still seem too stiff. So I'm just hoping that. NASCAR get it together soon because playing with fire with having drivers getting injured this easily. So literally, excuse the pun. Um, but we need to move on and we'll move on to something better. Um, <laughs> better race and just better news. Um, but our first 12 hours was um, uh, this last weekend completing a trifecta of endurance races over the last few weeks. And Basically, the headline being that after 12 hours of racing, the top three were separated by a second and a half. Yeah, it was awesome. It was awesome. It was awesome. And then the, the last lap, uh, or not last lap, but that, that final hour where in the chase where the Sun Energy Mercedes got spun by, mm -hmm. uh, who was it, Engel? Engel. Yeah. 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 Engel spun Gunan. Gunan? How do you pronounce his name? Guna. Jules. Jules. Uh yeah, he got spun and then okay, go. I think the I think the triple nine got a drive through penalty or something like that and it, it yeah. gave him the position back. But they also had still issue. Chased down. <laughs> well they were they were mad yeah. too because on the, the prior pit stop there was some sort of telemetry sensor that had gone wrong and the race control said that you have to replace that. So their pit stop went a little bit longer um than than expected so they were already mad about that so they were you know coming back from that but um i mean outside of that jules like the, the way that he drove that car i think that what those were doubles every every both top three cars the p2 and p3 had brand new tires so he was a you know double stenting his tires um i know that matt campbell came pretty close to him um but then you'd see he had like one little slight brush with the wall coming up the hill um and that kind of ended his his close up but man like the, the, the gunan was just uh, on a different level i mean it, it shows i mean look, look 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 at all he's won within a within a year period you know he's done uh one 24 hours of spa one bathurst last year daytona and then i think again if I'm not wrong, is that three in a row for Sun Energy at Bathurst? Yeah, it's yeah. it's and Gunnar is now, I believe, the first driver to ever win three but Bathurst twelve hours as well. Jesus, mm -hmm. uh, on a tear. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and especially when uh, you consider that only last week they were doing the Rolex as well, him and Engel. Oh yeah, and and Campbell for example uh, as well because he was in the um in the LMDH. A um, bunch of those guys all did Daytona, uh, especially all, a lot of them from the, you know, the factory Porsche squad or, or the AMG squad. I mean, mm. Gunan, 
Danny Juncadea, um, Marcello. You've got Augusto Farfus from BMW. They were driving the GTPs. Um, you know, Mauro Angle, Matt Campbell, Matthew Jam. A lot of the guys in the in the basically the whole pro team. What like 75 percent of those guys had just run Daytona. Um, you know, talk about being mentally yeah. fit. Mm. Even <laughs> so. even Shay Adam, Shay Adam from IMSA Radio, she yeah. hopped on a yeah. plane. Yeah, from they were all out there. Yeah, yeah, all the, the IMSA Radio guys were there. So, uh, what a just, what a week for sports it's car such racing. Such a cool cool track too. I remember when I first got into sim racing on a set of Corsa Competizione. Like a Bathurst was my track. Loved it. Just thought it was so cool. Would set up like a 30, uh, 30 car race with the AI up Bathurst. And I do that when they came out the GT4s, do like a half half GT3, half GT4. But just it's such a fun and demanding track, especially if you have any sort of like direct drive wheel. I mean, your arms are just done. I know mm. we're, we're spilling into the sim racing, but that's, that's kind of where my love for Bathurst came from. Well, it's one of those tracks that, you know, you get some racing games that have fictional tracks, like I'm thinking like Forza and stuff. Mm-hmm. You look at Bathurst and you would think that ain't real. And, you know, right. and it was em- <laughs> emphasized by Valentino Rossi, who if Jules Gounon wasn't there, Valentino would be my star of the race because yeah, still getting acclimatized to four-wheel racing. And yet, yeah, yeah he well, didn't have the overall that, pace, but his lap times were bang, 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 just consistent yeah. all the way out. And he said... He's a racer. Yeah. And he how said... He, how did he do um he was in the 46 bmw with martin um, i believe they ended up getting yeah they ended up getting hampered by an oil leak that slowly progressed throughout the race which lost some time but they were they were right up there they were hanging on Mm -hmm. and yeah rossi was saying about the track that it was a track that he'd always loved racing in the sim and then he was said there was an interview where it was like can you believe they used to race bikes there and he was like no (laughs) (laughs) never jesus (laughs) Absolutely not. Nuts. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that, that was a good race. You know, I, I, Bathurst for me, I, I'm still very much, we, we've spoken about this off, off the air, like I'm still warming up to GT racing, both in sim and in real life. It just doesn't capture me the same as prototypes. So naturally, races that are GT3 is the main thing. I've, I've been a bit lukewarm coming up to, but Bathurst mm-hmm. has been one that, despite that, has been one of the highlights of the year every year and, and it's been it's good to see it bounce back as well after a couple of rough years due to the covid restrictions in australia to see it come back and be so well attended both by spectators and by drivers and teams and to put on a show like that it was yeah it was great to see Bathurst bounce back and that was a, a great I, race one of one of my favorite things about the race was in the beginning when <clears throat> excuse me when uh the sun's still down because it started early in the morning and the cars are coming up the hill and there's no lights on where the where the crowd is sitting. So as they're coming up through the hill, the headlights are just lighting up a sea of people sitting there on top of the mountain. Yeah. It was motorsports as an art. Yeah. Right? Like it was it was one of the most picturesque races I've ever seen. It was just it was beautiful. And to watch the sun come up. Oh, uh, the sun coming up was amazing. Was such a such a good good broadcast of a race wish i could have been there yeah, yeah. they they uh a little slide note <laughs> unlike peacock they did broadcast the race without any sort of commercial uh interruption i know that's a hot topic with uh peacock and the daytona 24 but we'll leave it at that <laughs> <laughs> 
but yeah, so that, that was good. So that, that was the two kind of big races of the last weekend. Uh, the other thing that happened over the course of the last week was IndyCar preseason testing. Um, now, normally, we probably would just briefly mention this and move on, but there's a bit of a wider debate with this because for the first time in a couple of years, IndyCar has had a big group preseason test. They haven't done one of these since pre-COVID. Um, so, yeah, they got all of the teams and drivers, all the, all the full-time ones anyway, to come together. But this time, instead of somewhere like Cota or other places they've held it in the past, like Sebring, they chose to host it at the Thermal Club, which until IndyCar announced they were going there, I had never heard of. Um, the Thermal Club the Thermal Club is a an exclusive car club for members only. Uh, it's, it's in the Coachella region of California. Um, and, and yeah, it's essentially, it's a, a load of houses and you've got your garages there and th- then you can pull out onto the racetrack. Kind of similar-ish to VIR, but they don't actually host any racing. It's, it's just a track and a facility yeah. for the members. There's a kart track there. There's a gas station there. There's everything you would need if you're a motorsport fan and very, very rich. <laughs> think, think golf course, but with multi multi million dollar homes yeah and yeah. full track access you got coach access their clubhouse we'll get any pictures of the clubhouse i think it's crazy <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah some people it, aspire to join a country club i would aspire to join the thermal club well <laughs> don't the, get me wrong the, if i had the money absolutely yeah I would yeah right <laughs> the, the, the issue the issue i took with them having the the testing there was obviously indycar had to pay them mm. right to to hold it there unless it was some weird deal where the thermal club paid IndyCar, which I doubt, you I know, doubt. so why hold it there and not hold it at one of the many other road courses? Cause road courses in America are suffering right mm. now, right? Like they're having trouble, you know, we're within the next decade, not going to have Laguna Seca anymore. I, I feel like it's gonna it's gonna be ending soon. Oh Why God, hold it there? Noise complaints and, <laughs> and not go to an, another track that you don't race at regularly on the season and inject a little bit of revenue into their stream. Why go here? So the thought is, and this isn't confirmed. This hasn't been confirmed by IndyCar at all. But the idea is that you have a captured audience around the thermal club of people who are very rich and are obviously fans of motorsport or at least cars driving fast performance vehicles. You've got a captured audience there unless they heard an IndyCar test was coming and decided to go skiing, but who knows? Um, So the thought is, is that you put IndyCar in front of them and then they might be likely to invest in either the series or teams or drivers, try and get some more money into IndyCar. On, on the outside, games. yeah. On, on the outside, I don't hate that idea. However, there are now talks since the test, and, and we'll get on very briefly to talk about who was fastest. But it's kind of irrelevant in an IndyCar preseason test because nobody really shows what they have, and it's the a sandbags that not are racing. heavy. Yeah, yeah, um, sandbags but, are real heavy. But there have been talks after the test that, well, the Thermal Club have come out and said that they they are aspiring to host an IndyCar race. 
at some point. And some of the drivers said that they would like to race there. Marcus Ericsson, for, uh, Marcus Armstrong, sorry, too many Marcuses at Chip Ganassi. Um, Marcus Armstrong said he'd love to race there, um, as did uh, Callum Eilat, I believe. Now, the track itself, like just from a driving point of view, it looks fine to drive. It looks fun to qualify on. There's bugger all passing places. There's like one or two. Um, but, you know, that, a couple of them said, yeah, it'd be difficult to pass, but IndyCar's IndyCar, we'd find a way. The issue is that exclusivity again. You know, it's a members-only club. It's not designed for spectators. There's no spectator areas. The Thermal Club themselves have come out and said that, yeah, we want to host this, and if we could host a race, we could open it up to around 4,000 non-club members. 4,000 is a pitiful (laughs) number for spectators. I don't think there's terrible. No, well, there's parking. They they would probably do a temporary kind of deal, you know, leave your car out in the desert and someone might watch it and make sure it doesn't get stolen, maybe. Right. There's just, there are so, as you say, there are so many places, if you're just talking road courses, there's so many places in the United States where IndyCar should be going first. Hell, IndyCar should even be looking internationally, in my point of view. You know, like, like coming over to Britain's maybe a bit unfeasible, but, you know, you've got a lot of IndyCar interest in South America and in Mexico. Yeah. Go, go to there. Mexico. Please, you know, please go back go there. To the um, or, or, you know, there's, they're still crying out for IndyCar to go back to Australia. Again, I get the financial problems with that, but it, even if you just look within the United States, you know, we don't race at Watkins Glen anymore. We should, right. We don't race at Cota anymore. You can argue about that. I don't know. But then, you know, moving away from road courses, I would say there are enough road courses on the IndyCar calendar. We need more ovals. We should be racing at Homestead, Miami. We should be racing at Richmond, like was planned before the pandemic. There's so many places where IndyCar should and could expand to. And I think that's a major thing that IndyCar needs to do as well. I think IndyCar are trying to get a quick injection of cash by putting the series in front of rich people. When in reality, what they need to be doing is making sure that the series doesn't get forgotten for the f- half a year almost that it isn't on. You know, the series yeah. starts in, let's call it March, because it starts in February and then there's a fucking month gap between the next race. And then it ends in September. And then, unlike other sports like Formula One, where even during the off season, it's constantly in the headlines because their social media crew is an absolute masterpiece, you know, IndyCar goes silent. There's nothing yeah, apart they, from the old rewind on social media. It's terrible. People just forget it exists. Yeah. And and that's yeah. the last thing you need to try and build up an audience. And that's exactly what IndyCar needs to be doing. The racing product, I still maintain, if you can't tell by my impassioned rant, that IndyCar <laughs> is the best for racing. I love IndyCar. It's my favorite series. But IndyCar needs to start opening up to more people across the world, not just in the United States, but they need to start opening up and not hiding themselves in exclusive clubs. You know, yeah. I, I get Shoot themselves in the foot. Yeah. They're, I, I get they it. Are. They need to, I get they, they want to have some more races, but have races where fans can go to not an exclusive club. It's just completely the opposite of what IndyCar needs to be doing. And the fan reactions have said it all. They like the vast majority of people, AKA the ones who aren't somehow involved in the industry who are towing the corporate line of saying that this is a great idea. The vast majority of the fans feel like this is a slap in the face. And I think it is. It is. Yeah. It, it absolutely is. And and like you said, they, their social media sucks, especially in the off season. Mm. Uh, even during the season, it's not, it's not on par with NASCAR or even IMSA or formula one, especially, you know, 
One thing I would love to see, speaking of going international, could you imagine an IndyCar race at somewhere like Suzuka? Oh, it'd be so good. A Japanese a Japanese IndyCar race, mm. and it's not that far away if you think about it. it it's not that far yeah. away, and I, that's why NASCAR have done it in the past. But I, I do get IndyCar's reluctance to go too far away. You know, I, I think Central and South America are more realistic race. bets. Yeah, true. Um but, you know, even if they added, like, another race, a, a boring track, per se, in the United States, as long as people can go and watch the damn thing, great, you know. <laughs> I'm not a particular fan of the Nashville street race, but at least they put it somewhere. They took the series slap bang in the middle of a city so that loads of people could get their eyes on it, and it's worked in that They're respect. Doing- they're doing Detroit this year. I'm going to be there at the race with uh, the Mission Pilot Challenge, who's going to be there as a, uh, I'm not going to call it a feeder series. What's it called? Ex- uh, support race. You know, support race. Support, support race. series. Yeah. Yeah. Support series. So that's going to be fun to see. Um, hmm. The track looks like ass. Yeah. Whilst but- I don't like that they're moving it from Belle Isle because that felt like a road course more than a street track and it was yeah. a perfect setting. I do admire their idea of trying to bring it more into the center of Detroit so that more people just have eyes on it. And and that's yeah. that's a good move for a series that it's, needs more attention. It fine. deserves to be in Detroit. It's fucking Motor City. Absolutely. It's yeah. in the name. <laughs> so, yeah, I uh Indy Indy it, IndyCar's fucking up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're it, fucking and, up. It, and it is a shame. And it's not I just, love the product. It's not just here in real life, you know, this whole drama with motorsports games and all that stuff. It seems like they are trying to make bad moves. Are and you that com- trying that to comes be down- not like you? Yeah, that comes down to fan perception of the sport again. Like, you know, you've got, yes. you've got them make- making it seem like it, they want it to be behind an exclusive club. Then you've got them taking the licenses away from series that kept the series in the public eye during the pandemic, you mm-hmm. know. Dangerous Garage had to cancel their the, in the middle of their season. Had to cancel their season because of that IndyCar deal with motorsports games. Yeah, yeah. what it's is so going on? But um, to what actually happened at the test again, it's hard to take any kind of major information from this because it's a track that we're not going to be racing at. It's a track where none of these guys have driven at. But still, uh, on the first day, uh, Colton Herter was fastest. Uh, surprise, surprise! He's pretty quick. I've heard he's pretty good. Might be Formula One one day. Who knows? Um, the next day, more rubber came down, so the lap times were quicker. Uh, Marcus Ericsson was the fastest for Chip Ganassi Racing. Christian Lungard was second on both days. It was it was pretty much the, a lot of the young guys up the front, and one name that particularly stood out was the likes of Marcus Armstrong, who you know making about to make his rookie start in IndyCar, looked right at home, uh, as much as home could be made to look at the Thermal Club, which is a completely alien place. Um, Callum Eilat, he was up there for Hunkos, which is encouraging. Um, you look further down, some of the newer guys were nearer the back, like Benjamin Paterson, Stingray Rob, uh, our new favorite racing driver. Yes, um, sir. I was disappointed to see him in the back of the field. I saw a tweet he posted <laughs> the other day, said he's, his neck was completely dead. <laughs> and it it's was, not it was surprising because the, the Thermal Club, yeah. The Thermal Club is a very physical track as well, so it's not surprising. You know, if you talk about jumping in at the deep end, you jump into an Indy car ready for your first season, then you get put in the middle of a California desert, a really physical track. You know, it, I feel for him. St. Pete's going to be a, a bit of an eye-opener for him. Um, I mean, he gained, he gained two seconds from day one to day two, so mm. 
hopefully that's news of good things to come. I want the kid to succeed. I really like him. I'm yeah. looking more into him. Uh, I, I really do like him. I, 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 I hope he's great. He, he's good. After watching the Bus Boys episode, I'm now a Scotty McLaughlin, Joseph Newgarden. Oh yeah. So. <laughs> see, and that's we can well, see. That's how the, I pick my my. That's fine. My you know, again. <laughs> I pick my NFL team because they're in Indianapolis, where the IndyCar is. You know, it's it's, it's a viable go. thing. But like <laughs> stuff like Bus Bros shows what IndyCar should be doing social media wise. Yeah, you know that great. is such a good series, and it does. Uh, it, I was crying watching their Rolex one. Like, it's <laughs> yeah. hilarious. And that's the well, kind I, of thing I love that Jordan Taylor. I'm a big Corvette racing fan, so <laughs> anything Jordan Taylor. Perfect crossover. And then have those two guys. Oh, it, was, it was beautiful. It was beautiful. <laughs> so, yep, there, I mean, Scotty McLaughlin and Joseph Newgarden are my, maybe maybe more Joseph with the, the hometown kid, but mm. uh, we'll see how it goes. But yeah, that piques my interest again. Yeah, and the series is getting underway not too long now. St. Petersburg is in a couple of weeks' time, and yeah, looking forward to it. Um, Speaking of looking forward, we've got to take a break very briefly. Once we come back after the break, we will be looking forward to some of the news that's coming out, has come out over the last few days, and uh, yeah, some of the stuff that's coming in the future. So yeah, join us after this short break. Yeah, part of my uh, Boom. lack of racing funds is this little menace behind me right now. So oh, I think we're still recording. Uh, yeah. Oh, are we? <laughs> oh, is so that the delay you're ahead. talking about? Okay. You're fucking hilarious, Elliot. <laughs> Okay. Cool. Um. With half the show gone, there's still half the show still to go. This is the Into the Paddock Podcast. Welcome back to the Into the Paddock podcast. Uh, we are back from our break, and we're going to be talking about some of the more recent news that's come out over the last few days, uh, starting off with two series that have announced some new rule changes, the first of which being NASCAR. Now, this was announced in the run-up to the Clash on the Tuesday, and uh, one of these rules actually could have really affected the Clash, and I kind of wish it had, because it would have made an, a chaotic race even more chaotic. But we'll get to that. Um the first rule that they announced was that the controversial stage ending cautions uh, will be no more, but only at the road courses. So from now on at road courses, when you would get a stage ending caution, the points will be awarded in the same way the stage points will happen, but they won't stop the race. It will carry on. This has been something that people have been clamoring for since stages became a thing, you know, the argument has been that IMSA awards points at intervals during the race and doesn't stop the race. NASCAR needs to do the same. And yeah. particularly at road courses, it always destroyed the strategy. Um, so yeah, I'm really happy with this change and I really hope that they expand it to the other rain, the races as soon as possible. That, uh, that green checkered flag looks stupid anyway. It's awful. It's it's just it yeah. just does not look right. <laughs> nope. Get it out of here. Get it out of here. Yeah, yeah, but no, it, yeah, it, it it definitely interrupts the flow of the race. 
especially when you're talking about a road course. Mm. You know, you don't, unless it's a full course yellow for a safety reason, let them race. Let them race. You know, you spend two or three laps trying to pick a guy apart, you know, and if you're at the end of the stage, it just ruins the whole momentum of everything, you know? And I, I wasn't a fan of the, the halftime show during the clash, (laughs) right? That wasn't a hundred, that wasn't one, 150 lap race. That was two 75 lap races. Yeah. Right. There was so much time between those two stages that the cars cooled down the track temperature changed, the tire temperature changed, the drivers got a bit of a cool down. That's two races, mm. right? Yeah, no, yeah, I'm, I'm glad they're doing that. It, get it out of here. Especially for the road courses, yeah, because it, it, it disrupted the strategy and the flow of the races so much. And, and like I said, I, I'd love them to make that rule the same for ovals, whereby we don't stop the race. But the whole reason we brought in the stage racing in the first place was so that we could have these cautions to bunch everyone back up again. So I can't imagine they're going to extend this to ovals, but it would be so better. It's so much better for the racing. Like the drivers are already giving their all every single lap anyway. You don't need to center point it around having three white flags during a race. So... But yeah, I can't see NASCAR changing that anytime soon, sadly. Um, One thing I am glad that they changed, the next rule, is that they have announced that they will be penalizing people who try to perform the Chastain Hail Melon move um, (laughs) from Martinsville. Now, a a lot of people, myself included, were of the opinion that when that happened, it was one of the most incredible things I'd ever seen in motorsport. It was unbelievable. But it could never happen again. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you, you get one. You only yeah. get one. Yeah, and he and he made it work. It's unbelievable. Like still, like that will be something that people will remember for the rest of their lives. Like seeing that move and how it worked. And it, and it could have come at a better time. We'll it got, him, <laughs> it, it got him in the top four or yeah. the the yeah. final four or whatever. Right? It got Hell, him. He the, ended up finishing spoke. second in the standings. He nearly won the championship essentially yeah. by doing had, that move. <laughs> had he not done that move, he would not have been in the running. No. So yeah. yeah, you get one, you did it at the perfect time. No more. And he was so lucky because there were a million and one ways that that could have gone horribly wrong. Like yeah, if the, like the fact that he rode it around three and four and there was the access gate onto the track, if that had been weakened at all, he would have prized his can open like Michael Wartrip did at Bristol all those years ago. And that yeah, could have been horrendous. And, and the tracks are obviously designed for certain amounts of speed, not 150 miles an hour all the way around the outside of the corner. So, right. yeah, I, I'm glad that they've taken measures to ban it. If anything, it makes it more historical that it's just this once a thing occasion and it's not going to happen anywhere else. But from now on, they're going to be issuing time penalties for people that will ride and the time penalty will be judged by how much they believe a driver gained doing it. So, yeah, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a fan of that change. Absolutely. Um, what else came next? Rain. So NASCAR over the last few years have been contemplating and testing the idea of having rain tires available for the short tracks. They already make them made them available for road courses. And we've seen a couple of rain races now that have actually been pretty good and not complete dumpster fires. Some of them were, <laughs> but not all of them. Um, but yeah, so they've been experimenting with a couple of different tracks where they could allow re- rain tires to be used in damp conditions. So not when it's raining, but when the track is damp and drying, they could potentially start the race a bit earlier and just have them run on the wet tires. Um, 
the events which this could happen at were the LA Memorial Coliseum and the the day started off raining. So I was really hoping that that was going to carry on because that would have been <laughs> hilarious. Um, Martinsville Speedway, New Hampshire Motor Speedway, North Wilkesboro for the All-Star Weekend, Phoenix, which is probably the fastest of all of these. I'd be most concerned about rain there, but it's in Arizona, so it's unlikely. Um, Richmond Raceway, the Milwaukee Mile, and the Lucas Oil Indianapolis Raceway Park, the latter two being um, tracks that are not on the cup schedule but are on Xfinity and Truck Series. Um, I really want to see a wet race on an oval soon because <laughs> chaos. It doesn't, it doesn't seem like it should be <laughs> happening, but I'm, I'm here for it. I'm here for yeah. it. it. It'll be it'll be exciting to watch, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Just cars going to the outside, <laughs> you know. And and the tests <laughs> the tests have proven okay. You know, they've been testing this for several years now, and it seemed like it wasn't really progressing. They were just keeping te- keep testing it again and again, and all of a sudden they're like, "Yeah, you can do it now." So yeah, I'm I'm hopeful that that will happen. And you know, one of the most one of the biggest frustrations of NASCAR is rain delays because you shouldn't race ovals in the wet. But this is a good, yeah, this will be something to behold when it eventually happens. Um, I'm looking forward to that. Um, Other little rules. uh, The choose rule um, has been expanded for the season. So super speedway and dirt track events will also have the choose rule in effect. Um, Restart zones have been increased by 50% in length. I like that because, you know, it gives more choice for the drivers as to when to go it gives them makes it a bit more tactical um the damage vehicle policy um has been adjusted um so tow links considering one of the weaknesses of the next gen car is the tow links constantly being destroyed um they are now allowed to be replaced on pit road during the allotted time uh before you would have to go back to the garage to fix that and that would Re- immediately expire you from the race which is stupid so that's been done and uh, officials have also updated pitting rules to try and penalize drivers who encroach on other pit stalls when coming in for pits so yep. trying to protect the crews so was that <clears throat> that's the one i had a question about mm. um is that like as they're coming in right like you just can't like drive through the previous two pit stalls so they, to get into yours you have to just drive into yours only or so they've they've always had a rule regarding how many pit stalls you can drive through uh you can drive through more than two i believe but now they've introduced these boxes which you have to not go over so it, it's going to be a bit tighter for the drivers to come in more they have to spend less time in those boxes they were already allowed in mm-hmm. but um yeah it, it's designed just to make the possibility of cars hitting crew members less and um that's yeah, good. That's a, I still that's a problem in NASCAR, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I, with I how crowded pit roads are and how often you're getting the entire field pitting at once under a caution. And with how many crew members are on the flood, on the bloody pit road, you know, get an air jack in so you can take off a couple of people off of the pit road. Like do stuff like that to minimize the amount of yeah, people yeah. out there to stop risks like that happening, but this is a good step in the right direction at least. Yeah, so you're talking what 40 is it 42 cars? Uh, 36 full time at the moment, uh, 30, and 40 so maximum with, with how many people coming over the wall at the same, like six people. Yeah. Something like that. A Jack guy, uh, two per wheel and a fuel guy. Um, oh, two per wheel. 
two per so so two per axle rather. Two per axle. Okay, so four, five, six, something like that. Yeah, six Just too many. Thirty-six. That's yeah. over a hundred people out there on pit lane. Yeah. And then it's you crowded. get the risk of some tracks where you have no pit dividing walls so that even under green, a car could have a crash on the, in the tri-oval and come down on the pit road while people are taking service. You know, yeah. The pit lane is a dangerous place. I'm sure you, you've got a bit more experience of that now, having held lollipops out and stuff like that. And Yeah, it can be, it can be pretty hectic. It can get dangerous inside the pit box. Shit yeah. thrown around. I mean, I, I wasn't expecting to get an air gun thrown at me the first time. <laughs> <laughs> I was standing behind the tire changer. He just throws that air gun in the air. And I'm like, oh, shit. Uh, but yeah, no, they, yeah, it can be a dangerous place for sure. Oh, and I forgot the, the one other uh, rule change that I hadn't mentioned. It's the only one that I don't particularly like is that NASCAR have changed the... Uh, the requirement for drivers who make the playoffs to be in either the top 30 or top 20 in points, depending on what series they're in, that's now gone. So if you win, you are in. So essentially, if, if this is being read right, you could win the Daytona 500. And so long as nobody, so long as you don't get more than 16 winners that would then knock single race winners out, potentially you could sit out the rest of the races and then just come back for the playoffs. I don't like that. I nope. feel like NASCAR, you know, they pissed a lot of fans off by making it a crapshoot by, you know, winning you're in. You don't have to be consistent anymore. The one bit of consistency you had to have was being in the top 30 or 20, and now that's gone as well. I'm not a particular fan of that. Yeah, you're 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 taking it away. I mean, because you can – I remember the days when you could not win a race the whole season and win a championship. Yeah. Right? Like, it, it, it could happen, but – you know, you had to remain consistent. You had to consistently be, you know, finishing in the top four or five or whatever. Mm -hmm. But now, uh, yeah, like you said, you could just win, run, race, and then to save money, sit out the next five. And I mean, of course, nobody's going to do that. Everyone wants no, to win no, every not. weekend, you know. But, but you know, theoretically, Travis Pastrana is doing the Daytona 500. He could win that yeah. race somehow and be playoff eligible. Mm -hmm. Like, and he's and not. Just, he's only down to do Daytona. <laughs> Yeah, so oh, wouldn't that be wild? Travis is going to win. I'm, I'm, I'm putting this out as a negative thing, but I, that would be hilarious. I'd that would be that. amazing for Travis <laughs> to win the 500, sit out 35 other races, and then come back for the playoffs to win the NASCAR championship. <laughs> Can you imagine? Are you kidding me? That's a long shot bet. Mattress Mac, you need to make that one. Give me some free furniture. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear so that's the nascar rule changes yeah most of them good not so sure on the last one but yeah cool changes i'm, I'm looking forward to a terrifying wet race at martinsville um very briefly indycar have also made a rule change um for the last i think it was since 2014 ish the indy 500 has been a double points race and that's not happening from this year onwards they're moving it back to award the same number of points um for every other race um, I'm in two minds about this because obviously the Indy 500 is such a big race. It, it's, it outshines the rest of the series in terms of prestige, notoriety, importance, all of that. So I can understand why they in, awarded double points for it. But at the same time, and I think the reason they, they got rid of it is that you had a lot of drivers who 
like last year, for example, Marcus Ericsson didn't exactly have the greatest season outside of the Indy 500 that he won. And yet his championship position was inflated just because of that one race. Yeah, he did well everywhere else, but like he would not have been anywhere near as high up with the other people who were more regularly consistent throughout the rest of the season had it not been for the double points at Indianapolis. So I, I can kind of understand why they've changed it, but I wouldn't have minded if they'd kept it the same anyway. So Yeah, I'm kind of indifferent about it. <laughs> Yeah, it, it's you know, it's it's fine. <laughs> like you said, it could inflate somebody, or it could offer you know a lower tier driver the opportunity mm. to. It's very true. Yeah, you know, yeah, to come in from behind and 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 take some crazy position in the points because he did well at the five hundred. So, mm. looking we forward to learning to- it all this year. <laughs> I can't Andy- wait for you to watch more IndyCar. Yeah, IndyCar is gonna IndyCar can get wild. I love yeah. <laughs> um, we need to move on because there's Formula One news, uh, quite a bit of it. Um, firstly, uh, we'll cover some of the quick ones first. Um, we were meant to cover this later, but might as well talk about it now. Mick Schumacher could be driving a McLaren at some point this year. Um, if you'd said about 10 years ago or 20 years ago, Schumacher in a McLaren, people would have thought, what parallel universe have I entered? But um, this is because Mick Schumacher is now the Mercedes reserve driver and McLaren tend to pull and call upon their same reserve drivers as being a Mercedes uh, customer. Um, cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, give more the guy more to stick around. Yeah. 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 Keep, keep him in. I mean, I'm not saying that just for the namesake. I generally hmm. like Mick, you know, regardless of who his daddy is. Uh, He's he's a a more than capable driver. Absolutely. He's got some shit to learn. That's for sure. Uh, But I mean, he's, he's only done what two seasons now. Mm. Has it been two seasons? Uh, Yes. Just one. Yeah. He's just come off of his second. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So he's done two seasons now Uh, and still a lot more to learn. He's got, you know, a few guys ahead of him Mm. that are, that are definitely more qualified, but, but no, let's keep them around. Let's keep them around. And as, as we mentioned in the first show where we were doing the um, rundown of the off season, when, when we were talking about him moving to Mercedes as a reserve driver, as you say, he's got shit to learn, but learning in the environment of Mercedes and McLaren, I can't think of many better places. <laughs> no, right? not at all. Not at all. I mean, he's, uh, got a, yeah, like I said, you just got a lot to learn. And I think sitting behind Lewis Hamilton and George Russell and who's driving for McLaren this year, Lando uh, and Oscar Piastri. Yeah. Yeah. Lando. Those are, those are, those are good people to watch. Definitely. Good people to learn from. Um, in also in the formula one realm, before we get onto the big news, hence why I'm wearing this t-shirt. Um, <laughs> We've had the first three car launches, and by car launch, I mean livery launches, because the three that we've seen so far have only been liveries and not actual car designs, which is an entire issue in itself, because I think that's a stupid thing, and that if you're going to do a car launch, you should launch the car, uh-huh. not paint. But um, <laughs> I'll get onto that with my uh, rant about Red Bull in a second. So by the time this episode goes out, the Alfa Romeo will be launched as well, so bear in mind we haven't seen that yet. That might be amazing. Uh, of the three cars so far, we've seen the Haas, which 
I quite like the changes. It's it's not a, a yeah. it's not are, an are iconic gonna, livery, but we're gonna play fuck Mary Kill with the uh, <laughs> <laughs> kill Red Bull, um, kill Red Bull. I don't know. Fuck um, and Mary the Williams. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, so the house looks fine. Obviously, it's adorned with the new sponsorship from MoneyGram. Um, it's got a bit more black on the car with the traditional red and white sponsorship. Uh, this is great material for a podcast, by the way. Um, yeah, it looks fine. It looks like it's wearing a tuxedo. <laughs> I can't unsee that now. Thank you. It looks like it's wearing a tuxedo <laughs> with a with a fancy white shirt underneath it. Uh, and I I like it. It's different than what they've had before. I wish they would yeah. go back to the gray. I like the gray. Yeah, the gray was I like gray, the gray was underrated. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and of the teams so far, Haas are equal with Williams in terms of, uh, season launches that weren't needlessly complicated and long. So props for that. Um, we'll skip ahead to the Williams because I've got a bit more to say about the Red Bull one. The Williams livery relatively unchanged from last year, but the major addition is golf as a sponsor. We, we kind of knew this was happening and everyone immediately said, please be a full golf livery like the McLaren at Monaco that year. Cause that was one of the most beautiful paints in Formula One mm-hmm. of the last decade. Stunning livery. Sadly not, it's just golf logos on last year's car, basically. But it's still a really nice livery, and the, the Duracell placement of the airbox is just genius. <laughs> I did see some tweets rumoring that golf is looking at doing a full golf livery on the Williams. I, I hope so. Uh, it, even if yeah. it's just for, the, uh, for Monaco or for a couple of other races, I hope they do it, because... Such a good paint. It's hard to make a golf car look ugly. <laughs> um, and yeah, they were good as well because in their season launch, again, not the car, just the livery, but they showed the car straight away. So that's that's also good. Then we get to Red Bull. Um, <laughs> this one irked me a lot more. Um, now, we'll get onto the big announcement that they had prior in a moment, but... They had a big announcement, which kind of made people think, oh, I wonder if the car's going to look any different. And in the weeks prior on social media, they had actively had people talking about, oh, blank canvas. Oh, we let we, we could make this paint entirely different, you know. So then they start the season launch at two o'clock my time. Um, and then about 40 minutes later, they still hadn't shown the car. <laughs> and then they finally unveiled the car. And again, it's not the car. It's just the livery. And it's exactly the fucking same as last year. <laughs> yeah, they didn't change anything. Don't <laughs> call it a car re- reveal if you're not going to change show the car. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it, Call it a, this is Red Bull's livery reveal yeah. for 2023. To not the car. Credit, they've been calling them season launches, okay. which I think is their way around it. But Yeah. But... You know, and and they had said prior, you know, this isn't going to be our car that we arrived to at Hareth. At Hareth, they haven't pre-season tested there for ages. Bahrain, it's not not going to be the car we were. But it's the fact that they had been hyping up the possibility of them changing livery, and then they just didn't. And right. it was forty minutes into the show. I I hate the pre-season launches because they're so needlessly corporate and. Long. It was just an excuse for them <laughs> to dance Danny Rick across the stage yeah. in a Red Bull jacket again. And then they had like a 10 or 15 minute segment talking to other Red Bull athletes from other sports that weren't racing. Like I get, you know, corporate synergy and all of that, but 
fuck me. <laughs> yeah, no, that was terrible. I think I quit watching after like 15 minutes. Yeah, and then I was just refreshing, just like, have they done it yet? Have they done it? Oh, it's yeah. exactly the same. Great. I fell asleep. I took it. I had it on at work, and I was like, oh, this is going to be a while. <laughs> But, Let me make, make a few customer calls here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the one the one cool thing is that it turns out the blank canvas thing they have been tweeting is that for the three US rounds they're going to open a competition where fans can design the car. Cool. Um, I just kind of wish that the car looked different. But with the announcement that we'll get onto talking in a second, there's probably the, the livery is probably going to change in 2026 at least. So, and it's not an ugly livery. It, it looks good. It's just it's a Red Bull livery. Yeah. It's, it looks like a yeah. Red Bull car. <laughs> I wish they'd go back to the white livery that they ran yeah, those couple one, races. Just gonna say that. Yeah, that was gorgeous. The white one, their camo livery that they had was amazing. Camo livery was uh, good. There's, there's, there's been a few, a few like one-off Red <coughs> Bull, Red Bull showings that have been yeah. pretty good. I'd like them to go back to what the, when they first entered Formula One and they had the car look more like the can. That looked really you, cool. Do you remember yeah. the Star Wars livery? Oh, it was so good. <laughs> it was cheesy as hell, but I love the fuck. It was out so of it. good. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but yeah, uh, Alfa Romeo launches tomorrow. Um, traditionally, one of the better looking cars. I'm sure that'll be fine. But when uh, Alfa Tauri is then after that in Saturday, I think it is, and then the first actual car, like new car, we're going to see is with Aston Martin's launch at the start of next week. And then we get the McLaren on top of that, and then the Mercedes a couple of days after. So, yeah, we're, we're starting to get the, the cars. What's the over under on Aston Martin adopting the uh, no side pod design from Mercedes Benz last year? Oh, can you imagine if they do? Oh, can you imagine <laughs> if they're going to do it? Aren't they? <laughs> that's, that's what they do, right? Like they copy and paste every year. It's the previous year's Mercedes. <laughs> oh dear, yeah. That'll be something to look forward to. But um, I, I like the no iPod design. I think it looks sleek. It looks great. I'll be really interested to see if Mercedes actually stick with it because they're gonna. They start. They started to get it working toward the end of the season last year, and I think it would be a shame if they abandoned it. I'm I'm pretty sure they doubled down on it. I, I uh, hope so. I, I think I think uh, I think I saw on Twitter somewhere posting that that they said that that's their design. And they're going to stick with it. And I think it's a good design. It looks great. Mm. And I think you can make it fast. I think in the right conditions, it could work. It's just about making those right conditions a lot more frequent than they were. Um, let's be honest. They weren't, <laughs> they weren't slow last no. year. No, they, they weren't, weren't slow at all. Uh, the, the, the fight was just between, you know, Ferrari and Red Bull. So we didn't get a whole lot of coverage of the Mercedes, but, but they weren't slow. They found yeah. themselves on the podium more than once. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and, th- and there were several opportunities throughout the season, not just Brazil, where they could have won. Like Zanvoort, if tactics had gone the other way, they were just as fast as the Red Bull, if not quicker. So they could have won there. Um, I forget the other one, Spain, where um, Magnussen took Lewis out on the, the first lap. Lewis's pace throughout the rest of that race was phenomenal. Um, yep. I genuinely think he would have been a factor there as well. So the concept's and, got potential. And I mean, it didn't. You, you see us happen often in Formula One where, you know, somebody brings a new idea to the table and it doesn't perform maybe as well as we wanted it to for the first half of a season or even the first full season. But uh, concepts, bringing new concepts to the table seems to work almost every time, hmm. right? There's been a just a few 
of the radical, you know, designs that haven't worked. I mean, shit, the Terrell six wheel car. Yep. The only Rabbit reason, it didn't, yeah, the only <laughs> reason the the Terrell didn't work is because Goodyear didn't want to put any effort into the tires. It was yep. a fast fucking car. Yeah, and you had loads of teams trialing it as well. There's there's the infamous tale of the Ferrari six wheeler that never raced. Yeah, without this, and that's something that Formula One still has. It's been intrinsic in its DNA is innovation and um, trialing different things. You know, I love spec series because it puts more emphasis on the driver. But stuff like Formula One, I'm still fascinated by the different ways they try and circumnavigate the rules and push push the boundaries you know I, Adrian I, the, Newey the buzz, versus the world yeah <laughs> the, the buzz around the paddock and, and the Formula One world when DAS was discovered in preseason testing in 2020 like those moments where it's like shit this is genius like mm-hmm. that's such a cool thing that Formula One still has and yeah sometimes it can be at its detriment you know Formula One can be very overcomplicated, and it is in almost every facet of its being but sometimes it delivers these pearls of absolute genius. Um, and yeah, I, I think, yeah, that, that no side pod design has potential. And I, I'd like, I, I like and hope that Mercedes will um, hopefully continue with that because it just looks cool. <laughs> yeah. It looks like an awesome car. I love it. Um, we've danced around it a little. I think it's time to talk about the big announcement that the uh, Red Bull made uh, prior to their car launch that wasn't a car launch. Um, <laughs> Formula One's equivalent of edging. Don't Google that. Um, <laughs> but, um, please, do. please, please. Do. We love turning people on to new stuff. Tweet us your finding. No, please don't. Um, <laughs> yeah, don't tweet us about it. Just that's... open the incognito. What's your, what's your experience with that? Anyway, um, <laughs> um, yeah. So you've got you have obviously in the in the off season we had um, Andretti announcing that they were going to be bringing Cadillac if they get their prospective Formula One entry sorted. Um, I can only assume in an effort to try and cuck GM, um, Red Bull yep. have beaten them to the punch by officially <laughs> confirming that Ford uh, will be returning with them in twenty twenty six in a deal that's kind of an engine supply deal but different so essentially the way this is going to work is so so red bull have got the red bull powertrains division which evolved from honda's engine deal and engine supply so red bull have got that what ford are going to be doing is bringing their knowledge of battery and hybrid technology and injecting that into the pre-existing red bull powertrains division um to make Red Bull Ford powertrains or whatever it was they wanted to call it, some derivative of that. Um, and obviously what comes with that, Ford have said that they didn't just want it to be a marketing thing. They didn't want just their name there. They wanted to something to learn technologically. And obviously with the car industry getting closer and closer to relying fully on battery and hybrid technology, that's what they want to learn. So what do we think of Ford coming back? My dad awesome. had a blue oval tattooed on his arm. Oh God, really? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we're uh, my family's a Ford family. My my stepmom just took delivery of a new Bronco yesterday, two days ago. Nice, brand new Bronco. Love it. Looks great. Uh, so my and and you know that half of the family could give fuck all about racing, but 
my dad was texting me like, Hey, Ford's Ford's coming back. I'm like, yeah, they've been there before, but we'll see. (laughs) (laughs) We'll see. It's, uh, it's been shit over 20 years, I think since we've seen the blue oval in an official. uh, Yeah. So their last Ford logo in formula one would have been with, um, Stuart where they had a big presence on the Stuart car and it was a Ford engine. Obviously that then morphed into Jaguar because obviously Ford and Jaguar at the time, Ford decided that Jaguar would be the brand that they would have for Formula One. Then Jaguar was a really expensive failure, so they sold it ironically to Red Bull. So it's kind of come full circle in that regard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I'm all for it. You know, let's let's get more manufacturers, more more companies involved in the sport, mm. whether it just be uh, like in this deal, sending an engineer over. Uh, essentially right which is pretty much is what happening right like they're they're sending a couple engineers over to go be with red bull and i think it'll be a bit more involved with that i think they will be like a huge not huge but a a significant effort within ford to propel this this battery technology and hybrid technology over so it's kind of like it's half an engine deal kind of thing well like when you consider how much these engines rely on the battery and hybrid that it's, yeah. it's a huge part of it. So I would say it's like a half an engine deal kind of thing. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's it's really good. Like the fact that Formula One in 2026 provided Andretti get on the grid with Cadillac could be bringing in Audi, GM, and Ford all in the same year, basically. You know, those are three of the biggest car manufacturers in the world. And that can only be good, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> If if there was another manufacturer you would like to see on the grid, who is it and why is it Lamborghini? <laughs> <laughs> well, they're there with Audi, right? <laughs> um, oh, that's a good question. That's a good question. I don't know. I feel like Toyota could have it another shot, especially now that it's more electric influenced. You know, Toyota would be a good one. Um but that's a bit boring. So Koenigsegg, <laughs> oh, there you go. a Pagani yeah. Formula One car. Oh, now, so the only problem there is, is that obviously we kind of know what the engine regulations are going to be in 2026. It's going to be, it's still going to be V6s. There's not going to be room to make, you know, Cadillac bringing in a V8 or something like that. So that that would be the only sad thing is that if you got someone mad like Pagani in, they'd still end up sounding like a V6 hybrid. Yeah, uh, I th- I think we're at the point we're going to be at the point if uh, at this rate of growth where, and we'll get onto because this relates kind of to our next story, where we're potentially in twenty twenty five or twenty twenty six going to have twenty four cars on the grid, and or, or well, uh, how many teams would that be? Sorry, uh, twelve. 12 yes my maths is terrible um it's late um but we could have 12 teams on the grid and 10 of them could be supported by different manufacturers that's awesome like yeah yeah considering, <laughs> considering like not life. long ago we had ferrari mercedes and renault yeah those were the only engine suppliers right yeah well honda but but yeah i mean <laughs> it, it you you see all these these uh these teams today borrowing parts from each other, borrowing engines from each other, and this and that. Uh, let's diversify it a little bit. It's supposed to be Formula One, right? And that hmm. the formula is go out and f- here's the rule book. 
go out and figure it yourself. Why are but why are these teams all sharing everything? I get some some of the stuff is prescribed now, you know, with the budget cuts or budget the, the budget caps, uh, you know, and some of the new rules that they've uh, implemented into the sport. But uh, yeah, let's open it up. Let's open it up because the more the more people you bring in, the more you leave it up for interpretation. Uh, you get to see wildly different designs and philosophies and all that stuff. Uh, yeah, let's let's bring in more teams. Let's open open the grid. Well, and this is probably a good point to bring in the next part because th- these two things are very very linked, and we can, we'll carry on the discussion of this. Um, it was then announced a couple of days later on on February second that the so you'll remember that Mohammed Ben Sulayem, the FIA president, announced that he was going to create a official process for prospective teams to apply to join the championship. Mm-hmm. Um, he then confirmed last week that the process has now begun uh, and is now open and they are looking at adding two, at least one, but possibly two teams to start racing at the either the 2025, 2026 or 2027 championships, depending on when they can be ready by. Um, obviously, one of those is almost certainly going to be Andretti Cadillac um, by far the most vocal and public of those entrants and, you know, bring the most weight with them with GM being involved. Um, But yeah, we could get another team. Um, Who do we think slash want? Who do we we think that could be? Lamborghini. And the only reason it's not, and the only reason it's not Porsche well, it's not who who I think it's going to be. I don't think Lamborghini's making a yeah. bid to come in. I, <laughs> but it would I really, be cool. <laughs> it would be really cool to see Lamborghini come in. And the only reason I don't say Porsche is because Porsche is pretty much uh, done with internal combustion, right? Well, well, no, they're not. They just built this fucking GTP thing, but they're concentrating on Formula E, right? I don't see them coming in and making a new a new F one division. So Porsche is out. They're busy. They're real busy right now. <laughs> yeah, I, I'd uh, be I'd be surprised if Porsche came in, but I, I would love them to. But again, it's um, yeah, as you say, they're focusing on other endeavors, and it would yeah, it, it, it just wouldn't align. That it'd be too much of a commitment um, for them to do this as well as everything else that they're doing. Um, I, I don't know. I feel like th- there's been some murmurs of people who could join for years now. Um, it, wouldn't it be hilarious if USGP came back out of nowhere or USF1 or whatever it was in 2010? Just like, surprise, we are still alive. Um, it, it's hard for me to pick. Like, th- There isn't another one out there who is like as vocal about wanting to join as Andretti. So it's difficult. Like I'm trying to, yeah, think I don't know. They could, it, it, it's weird. Like there are, there are also murmurings around Honda coming back again, but they're so in out, in out, shake it all about. They might as well be doing the hokey cokey. Um, yeah. At the moment, it, there isn't an obvious next candidate. So it's, it is going to be interesting to see who comes in and I, they, they will get someone to apply for it and be successful because formula one is, so much bigger 
now than it ever has been and and there's such a clamoring to get involved there will be someone the the one entity that we know is interested and is the one entry that i would say that i absolutely hope does not get on the grid is this mazapin ural kali uh entry oh, that God has been trademarked and and has been kind of happening in the background for about well, since Mazepin got involved with Formula One in the first place, um, please no. Why, please, uh, God, no! Keep it out. Firstly, Keep in the out. current global situation, I can't imagine that that would even be allowed. That wouldn't even be entertained at the moment. It would. Ha- it would have to. The the Ukraine war would have to end tomorrow for there to be any hope of Eurocarly and Mazepin getting on the grid somehow. But. They have registered trademarks here in the UK for a Formula One team. Um, I'm trying to remember with which Formula Two team they're doing it. it, it High Tech. Um, yeah, they've, they've teamed, teamed up with High Tech, Eurocarly, and the Mazapins, and they've, they've trademarked a potential Formula One name. Um, it would just be so damaging for Formula One to have Mazapin anywhere near a a Formula One car, let alone in a car that bears their name and has their involvement. So, but but of all the prospective teams we could get, that's literally the only one that I could think of where I would not like to see it happen. Um, but yeah, I, I've no idea who the other one could be. And but it's not going to take long for us to find out because the whole process is very quick. The formal applications apparently have to be submitted by April thirtieth, and a decision will be made by June thirtieth. And then the announcement should be almost immediately after that. So we will we will know the identity of these of the team slash teams who are going to be entering within the next half year. And I'm excited. <laughs> yeah, uh, should be should be should be interesting. Let's uh, let's get this party going. I, I'm I'm excited to see more cars on the grid. I. You know, as a longtime fan of the sport, having only 20 cars on the grid just past the start of the race doesn't doesn't provide much excitement. 20 is like the bare minimum. Yeah. Like that's about what you can get away with for a a series that regards itself as highly as Formula One. Um, I feel like 24 is a good like that. That's a solid number anymore. And it would start to get quite difficult especially with some of the tracks that they go to but yeah 24 is a good number 22 is good more cars more cars is is definitely needed and it looks like we're going to be getting it uh, until formula one finds a way to talk themselves out of new teams coming in that would drastically improve the sport both financially and commercially and sportingly so and it's formula one so that could very much happen uh, the one thing I will be interested in is so obviously they're they're looking at teams joining either in twenty five, twenty six, or twenty seven. It's a quick turnaround if anyone wants to join in twenty five. I know Andretti have said they want to do it, but I think they would be the only one who could feasibly join in twenty five because they have a lot of the pieces already set in motion, like the yeah. headquarters, like the engine deals. But it's got to take a long time to stand up a Formula One team from the ground up. Hundred percent, yeah. So it's got to be serious. Yeah. Like part of the Even- whole thing is. Even Aston Martin is still still yeah. trying to build their shit, you know? And and they took over a pre-existing outfit. They weren't starting yeah. the ground up. So it, it's an enormous undertaking. And 
yeah, like Andretti have got the advantage that they've been trying to do this for a while now. And like I said, they've got headquarters, they've got dri- a, a driver, at least in Colton Herter. They've got an engine deal with Renault before Caddy get involved. So if any team is going to come in in 2025, honestly, I think it's only going to be Andretti because they've got a bit of a running start. But anyone else, I'd be surprised if we saw whatever the other entry is before 26. And then obviously with 2026, you've then got the new engine rules, which they then have to work out on top of being a new Formula One team. So it's going to be tough, but... I really hope it doesn't go the way of like the last time we saw new entrants come in into like multiple into in 2010 when we had Lotus, Hispania and uh, Virgin Racing, nay Marussia, because you know <laughs> all of those ended up winding out pretty quickly. Um, Did they all fail and go somewhere else? I mean, I, I mean, obviously they're not on the grid anymore, but they all failed, but like staggered and but the problem was is that they the fia brought in those teams and opened up the grid for those new teams and those new teams joined with the promise of a cost cap which never happened um hence why they weren't able to keep up development but now formula one is in this unprecedented era where they finally managed to get a cost cap um albeit a ludicrously high one but it's a cost cap i guess um and it's going to gradually come down so i think you know, we've, we've seen with Haas that it is possible to join Formula One and be relatively successful. Haas have obviously been hampered by the fact they don't have the same development capacity as the other teams. So they were able to start well, but haven't been able to keep up really since. But I think with the cost cap continuing to come down, there is every chance. And with the sport being as popular as it is now, you know, the teams aren't going to struggle to find backers. So it could work. And at least for Andretti, I'm, I'm convinced that within a few years of Andretti joining the grid, they'll be in contention for wins and championships. I, I'll, I'll put my hat on the line there right you now. You think so? You think I, so? I, I do think so. You know, I think with, with such a big backer in GM, both not just manual, like, but not just monetarily, but in techno technologically and with Andretti having the wealth of experience they have in, high-end motorsport i i can't see that not working especially with the cost cap coming in and then you've got the stuff like the bigger teams being penalized with less aero time you know it now's the right time to be a team getting into formula one for the first time and i think andretti with all of their experience and all of their backing i can't see that not working and i do think within not straight away but i could see them being in the midfield maybe the lower end like Haas were, but instead now they would have the capacity to develop and carry on with that momentum. And I feel like within a few years they could be, they could be up there. So yeah, I, 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 I'm fully ready for this clip to be played back to me in a few years time and me to be my words, but (laughs) it'd be cool. And I do think there is a good chance it could happen. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a powerful group Andretti GM together. I mean that's that's a lot of money. That's a lot yeah. of experience. Uh, yeah, I I think you might be right. I think they might be able to to make something happen. At least be a you know contending for third, fourth in a championship pretty quickly. Yeah, I think so. Well, that about wraps up all the time we have for this week's episode. Um, yeah, the se- the season's just getting closer and closer, but we're like all the championships are starting to start up now. It's going to be really exciting. Um, 
this coming weekend, we've got Formula E back in action at Hyderabad in India. Um, I believe that's prob. I think that's the only racing action there is. I think for once there isn't a big endurance race on, so that's a little strange. Um, and we don't talk about the Super Bowl really, so I can't. Well, we can't really include that in next week's show. But I'm all, sure. All I know is Philadelphia is already greasing those uh, light poles, just getting ready for the riots. <laughs> I <laughs> really, really want them to win. So tune in next week to hear either despair or joy in that regard. Um, and also we'll have our reaction to any more of the car releases from Formula One and all of the other news that's likely to come in. But who knows? Maybe Kyle Busch will get arrested again or uh, yeah. <laughs> self-deported back to Mexico or something. I'm not sure, but we'll have that yep. and everything more. Um, um, what are, what's your, what's your socials there? I mean, we're obviously into the paddock at, at into the paddock on Twitter and Instagram and in the apex network on YouTube. What's your, uh, where you got for your personals? Uh, I am at J groves one nine nine six on, uh, Twitter and, uh, Instagram. I've got multiple other usernames for stuff like YouTube. So just go to them and you'll find it. And, uh, yours, uh, you can find me at Speed Rat Racing on pretty much everything. And tomorrow, if you listen to it as soon as this episode comes out, tomorrow at 7 p.m. Central Time, I will be racing in Opmo Season 6, Round 1 at Daytona in the Beneficiary class, defending my crown. <laughs> uh, check me out on Twitch. And our co-host, who sadly had to um, uh, jump out in the last couple of minutes, uh, you can find him on Twitter at JevicJ, so J-E-V-I-C-K-J-E. -E. Uh, I believe he's on Instagram with a similar um, handle as well. But that's it for this show. Uh, myself, Greg, and John will be back next week for all the latest motorsport news and some more provocative motorsport talk. Until the next time, take care and goodbye. See you. For listening to Into the Paddock by the ITA Podcast Network. Join us next time for more provocative motorsport talk.